Hi everyone, and welcome back to the Dizzy Breakdown. I'm Caro. And I'm Maya. And we're two American friends on opposite coasts who love to break down. And break down over Turkish TV shows. Hello, Caro. Hey, Maya. It's been nice that we're recording a little more often lately. I know. I'm glad that we're doing this a little more frequently. It's always nice to chat with you about our Turkish dizzies. Yes. It's well into summer. And well into summer dizzy season. It is. Happy summer dizzy season to all who celebrate. (laughs) I know. And with that in mind, Kara, what have you been watching lately? I know we've just talked, but... We just talked. So not too much different from when we talked Autumn Vara. However, I'm still watching Gucci I am on episode 8, and I believe episode 13 aired either yesterday or today, and that's the finale. So I'm sad that I'm coming up on the final few episodes, but excellent show. I'm still really enjoying it quite a bit. But what about you, Maya? What are you watching? Honestly, I'm not really watching much either. I thought I was going to finish Gelson Hayat Build to Gibby, but I haven't gotten to it yet. I watched one more Netflix episode of Kara Para Ash, but really. Yay! <laughs> you're welcome. <Feel> that progress. <laughs> and honestly, I think that takes me up to just finishing one full Dizzy episode. So basically, I've still only watched the pilot. You'll finish by 2050 then. That's great. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's your guarantee. So for however long we continue to do this podcast, you'll probably be hearing about it. (laughs) Just going to be on the perpetual watch list. Got it. No, because I know you're going to get to a point and you're going to be addicted and you're going to be texting me like, I just canceled plans because I can't stop watching the show. (laughs) I don't know. I'm going to say, I get it. I understand. You're really talking it up. I don't know. I know. But I truly stand by it. I think once I can sit down more, and honestly, as nice as it is to have it on Netflix, I may try to find it in the Dizzy Length episode format. Really? I think it'll just be easier to feel like I'm making progress. The subs are so good, though, on Netflix. It was such a joy to have an easy show to watch. I didn't have to go into any websites or search for it. It was just right there. It was so easy. I know. I think just seeing the long road ahead makes it hard to feel like I'm making progress when I watch the You're a creature of habit, you know that? Because you'll watch a Dizzy that has like 52 episodes, but apparently 146 is daunting. Yeah, but the thing is, when I'm binging shows that are that long, that means that I'm kind of sad outside of watching Dizzy's. So (laughs) I'm feeling really good for a good long while, and I'm trying to stay on that track. So my TV consumption is unfortunately lower. You know what's going to happen to you? Because this is what happened to me is I felt the same way. I was like, oh my God, this is like a lot of episodes. I don't know how I'm going to do it. And then once it hooks you and it does hook you, you're like, oh, thank God I have so many episodes to watch. Like (laughs) it makes me happy because I have so much good quality TV to watch. And that was a highlight for me. I will definitely keep you posted when I get back to it. Yeah, please do. But other than that, that's really it. Well, there's a few things that we both are watching right now. And that's been nice. Having our fall shows that we're watching together and there's been this weird gap in we still talk, but we're just kind of voice messaging each other like, hey, I'm in the car. Let's chat. We haven't watched anything. That's mainly how our conversation. I went to pick my dog up from daycare today and I was just like, you know what? I'm just going to like send Maya a message. I mean, as much as I love hearing about Carol's life, I also want to talk about TV. Yes. And so now that we have more things that we're watching together again, I'm very excited. Yes. The first thing that we both watched separately was the new 
now new-ish Netflix film with Aisha Aishin Turan and Ekin Koch, which is called Sen Inandir, or the English title is Make Me Believe, which is just a nonsense rom-com title, honestly. Oh, for sure. But it was nice to see those two actors again. I really like Aisha. Um, I, I know I think Caro does as well. She has the abs of my dreams. The abs. And she has like a, a mermaid face. I don't know how else yes. to describe it. No, I completely understand what you're saying. She has these huge eyes. She's very strong mermaid vibes. And the yes. movie gave me some Adamasala nostalgia. I was going to say it had definite Adamasala vibes. And that is a positive. That's a huge compliment to the movie. Yeah, it was exactly what I needed. And I know Carol never finished it, but I think Uch Karush is in my top five dizzies. So seeing Ekin again in something else was really nice too. He's very cute. I like him with the short hair. I, th- yes. I find him very cute. So them together I thought was really cute and the scenery was beautiful. Yeah, I think... The movie didn't have a ton of substance. You know, it was a summer rom-com. It was like, here is trope. Here is conflict. I'm like, is this a conflict? And like, no, but here is conflict. Let's be real. It was a Turkish Hallmark movie. Yeah, it kind of was. But I got to see my pretty people. And I think that's all it needed to be for me personally. Yeah, I think it was just a nice, relaxing summer movie. I like that. Like, I don't mind something that's mindless and you just kind of watch and, you know, you look at the pretty people and the pretty scenery and you somehow follow along an easy plot. That's enjoyable to me. Yeah, I sometimes have a harder time with that. I know you do. But this one's not (laughs) going to win any awards. I'm never going to watch this again. But aesthetic, great. For the record, though, Maya, you were the one prompting me to watch this. Because I thought you would like it. I did. Thank you. And I wanted to talk about it. (laughs) (laughs) I did like it. So, mildly selfish reasons. That's fair. And then we've both also been watching Yachok Saversen. Yes. So, our first summer Dizzy that Carol and I are watching finally aired. Only episode one is out so far, but... We're waiting for the subs as we record this. Exactly. Episode two is coming out today, but I personally am loving it. I did not expect to be so ready for a summer dizzy. That makes me so happy to hear. It's music to my ears. (laughs) Well, that means you gotta watch it with me though. I am and I'm liking it. I think Maya liked it a little bit more. I'll give you a behind the scenes peek into Maya's first reaction because she messaged me before I had watched it. And I believe your comment was 10 out of 10 premiere episode. And I was like, wow, that's high. And it's a rom-com. So I think that set the bar high. And I watched it so disjointedly. Like, I know I was complaining to Maya about this. It's my own fault. I watched like little pieces here and there when I could. And I think I would have enjoyed it more if I just sat down and watched it in one fell swoop instead of watching half an hour here, 20 minutes here, 15 minutes there. Yeah. Because I tend to watch episodes in one sitting. You're more regimented than I am. I don't know. That's just how I can make myself get through them. No, I mean, I used to be like that. Summer is a very busy time for me, which is annoying. I love the summer, but I hate how busy it gets. And so it's hard for me to watch two hours worth of TV without falling asleep. (laughs) I'm going to be realistic here. I fall asleep. We appreciate a self-aware Carol. (laughs) I'm nothing if not that. But it was good. I liked it. I really liked the two leads. I think there's a lot of potential. There's a lot to explore. 
obviously Karem as a grumpy, seemingly cold, rich man is just a trope I enjoy him playing. Because I think because he's such a cinnamon roll in real life and he's always smiley and happy to see him play a grump that actually has a heart of gold is the perfect character for him because I love watching him do it. I kind of love that Disneyland collectively was like, all right, nice guy, UN women's rights ambassador, all the stuff. He must be an asshole, every character. Every character, you're going to be the (laughs) asshole. But don't worry, you have a heart of gold and we'll turn it around eventually. (laughs) I'm here for it. Honest, yeah, because I feel like all the viewers are like, yes, we accept. Right? Like, I don't want (laughs) to see him as a villain. No. Because he's Karem, like he's an adorable cupcake. I want him to be the grump with the heart of gold. That's the best way I can describe it. I love a grump. It was nice to have him in a show again. I know people were a little, not concerned, but a little unsure about his next big role being another rom-com after Central Copy. But I 100% love that he's sticking to the genre. Me too, because he has a very good body. I was concerned he was going to, well, no. Did that sound bad? You didn't let me finish. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. You're like, I'm going to immediately objectify him. (laughs) No, he has a really well-built body. And my thought was that he was going to go into one of those like historical shows, like Barish did, basically. I mean, Barish was a dork in Kirillik Ashk. And then now he's gained 30 pounds of muscle, probably even more. And he's doing, you know, the historical show whose name I can't think of. So now he's doing this historical show and he's this buff actor who's swinging a sword around the set all day. I assumed Karem would do something that was maybe a little more physically challenging for him versus another rom-com. But I'm thrilled I was wrong. Yeah, and I know I laughed at you, but I understand what you mean because over the last little while, he's been just posting a lot of very intense gym selfie content. They're not like casual workouts. He's (laughs) only eating chicken and lettuce. Like, that's a routine. Like, he's on a program. Yeah, so I get it. And also, there seems to be this trend of male dizzy actors who often get their starts in rom-coms. They amass a huge following of primarily female viewers and then they finish their show they take their success and they move on and they want to do their action shows they want to do their historical dramas and it makes sense that some of these guys have other types of shows that they're really excited to do but it's sad when there's still rom-com audiences who really appreciated their work and so Karem coming back to do another rom-com was really cool and when he's in a rom-com he takes the story seriously he never seems like here I am just being the hot guy this isn't a real job or whatever he's so invested he's taking it seriously and wanting to make good content regardless of the genre and I really respect him for that that's a good point that I hadn't really thought of but it is nice that he's treating it like a job more so than an obligation or just something that produces a paycheck I didn't think of it in that lens but you're absolutely right I applaud him for that yeah and he's excited to be here I mean he always seems like he's having a good time in the behind the scenes yeah That's one thing I do like about Dizzy's too, is that they don't have social media bans. So we get to see little behind the scenes as we go through the show. Yeah, it's nice. And then we might be watching a show together soon too. We might be watching Burju's new show. You're going to watch that, right? I will watch the first episode. Can I tell you guys what Maya told me on the phone the other day when we were talking about Burju's new show? She said, and I quote, I'm going to at least watch the first episode because I'm going to have to hear about it anyways. And when I tell you guys that I laughed so hard when she said that because she meant it earnestly and she didn't mean it sarcastically. 
but I absolutely will pester her until she watches it and I will talk her ear off. So Maya, thank you for understanding who I am as a person and just going (laughs) along with it. You're very welcome. I will at least watch the first episode of Burju's show, which is called Ruhun Doimaz. And it's by the same writer that did Sunshal Kapame. And Erkenzi Kush, I believe. And Erkenzi Kush and Senden Dahuguzao. It definitely has the potential to be really good. So I won't make any promises, except that I will try the first episode and we can go from there. I appreciate that. So everyone, stay tuned to our next episode <laughs> where I let you know how Maya is doing with this show which i guess is fair because i feel like the rest of the episodes it's me being like this is what i made carol watch and talk about on the podcast with me basically but you know it could be worse yeah and then lastly before we jump into today's episode we should talk for a moment about the autumn Farah news that came out after we recorded our autumn Farah episode i know which made some of what we said a moot point already which was great. Yeah. Obviously, these are just rumors. They're not even shooting season two yet because they're all off for the summer. But it sounds like there is going to be some cast leaving the show, which, if that's true, could change a lot of what we thought season two was going to be. Agreed, yeah. I believe it is the characters of Orhan and Ali Gallup that are not going to be returning. Yeah, which... Honestly, Ali Golub, I'm fine with not coming back. There was the question of Tahir fired the gun, but did Ali Golub die? I'd be okay if it was just him leaving. But the fact that Orhan could leave as well. I know. There's so much unrealized story there. I wanted to learn more about the white lamb, black lamb issue and storyline. And I feel like we're not going to get that realized to the potential that it should be. And that makes me a little sad. I didn't realize both of them would go. I had set my opinion on Ali Gallup leaving, given that Mehmet is not going to die. Nope. can't. Nope. I need that brother (laughs) storyline. But, you know, I trust the writers. They've done well so far. And we'll see how they navigate it for season two. Don't let us down. Yeah, just don't let us down, please. (laughs) Our mental health depends on it. All right, Caro, should we get into talking about the actual show that we will be talking about this episode? I think we should, and I think it's only fair to let you announce it since you were the one that bullied me into watching it. (laughs) What else is new? So this episode, we are going to talk about Actress, which is a Disney Plus show, which is a first for us on the podcast. Mm -hmm. It premiered on May 31st, 2023, and dropped eight episodes all at once. Unlike regular Dizzy episodes, each episode is about 45 minutes to an hour, which I think was pretty nice as a change. It was. And it made it easier for me to convince Caro to watch it with me. That's fair. I do struggle with the two-hour episodes because it's a time commitment. It's the length of most movies, you know? You gotta be hardcore to be in Dizzy's Caro. Come on. Dizzy's are not for the week. The project was initially announced in 2021 under the working title Star, but I'm okay with the new title. I think it makes just as much sense. Yeah, I don't see the big difference there. I guess it had changed production companies, which resulted in some of those changes. Ah, that makes sense. As of right now, at least, if you're in the U.S., you can watch the show with great English subtitles on Hulu. So we'll definitely recommend that if you're interested. It's such a game changer to have accurate subtitles. I don't know. Sometimes the fan subs are pretty entertaining. It adds a layer when you're like, I know that's not what they said, but I applaud the attempt. 
I think I've shown you that in Guchmal, the lead actress, the lead character, I should say, her name is Deva, and that must translate to virgin somehow. <laughs> and so when I was watching the show on the plane, I was like, please don't read these subtitles anywhere else. They're going to think I'm watching some like sex show about a virgin <laughs> being kidnapped, like any other word, Dizzy Translators, so I can watch this in public. Amazing. Anyway, back to actress. A little bit about the show. The show centers around Yasmin Deren, an acclaimed actress in Turkey who leads a double life as a notorious serial killer. She plans her kills vigilante style and seeks retribution against those who participate in violence against women and children. The show's tagline, no one can see the real you when you're in the spotlight, showcases the duality of Yasmin's life. Actress by day, serial killer by night. Through her multitude of disguises and carefully planned murders, viewers are left to unravel the motivations behind her actions. I mean, it sounds like a good show. I'd watch it. Which is hilarious because until you started watching it, you did not realize what it was about. I had no idea, which apparently blows Maya's mind because... Because we've talked about it. We've been seeing Pinar. There's behind the scenes. People on Twitter have been talking about, ooh, Pinar's new project. Oh, it's about this. We see the promos where she's like holding a literal knife. And Carol's like, oh, I thought this was going to be a show about her playing an actress. <laughs> I think you overestimate how much I just scroll Twitter and look at pictures and don't <laughs> read captions. I legitimately thought it was just about an actress and the struggles of being an actress. It's called Actress. Who kills people? <laughs> well, that was not in the title, okay? <laughs> no, I just didn't expect it. And I was watching the first episode in bed late at night when it was like dark. And I was like, this is more like Criminal Minds than a dizzy style show but it's fine it's fine i got on board really fast i love crime shows so this was right up my alley it was just a surprise crime i know let's move on to the main cast actress stars pinar denise who plays yasmin darren pinar needs no introduction we've discussed her and her past at length in our previous episodes about yarga and ash 101 so if this is your first exposure to pinar a please love yourself and watch yarga and ash 101 and b please feel free to go back and listen to our other episodes where we further explain who pinar denise is in greater detail yeah i can link some stuff in the bio one fun fact about Pinar, though, in regards to this role, is that she immersed herself in the character by studying movies about serial killers to help better understand their psychology. She further prepared for this role by practicing martial arts training, which makes sense because she gets a little more physical in this show than she does in Yarga. It was so great. I really loved how she portrayed her character. Yeah, she's badass. The other actor we want to highlight briefly is Uraz Kaigilarolu, who plays the character of Ferrat. As an actor, he started his career in 2008 and has been in popular shows such as Utkarush, Seferin Kaze. He did that web series Ainan Ainan before Karam took over. And he was also in Ashk 101, which Pinar was also in, but I don't believe they ever shared any screen time since he plays the adult version of Sinan. I don't know why there was something about Uraz in that brief little role that he had that I really liked. I think because I liked the character of Sinan so much. Yeah, Sinan, top character. Indeed. So I actually lovingly call Uraz Noodly Head, which references his hair in Uchkarush. So I'm almost positive I've referenced Noodly Head in other episodes that we've done. If not, it's been a multitude of times to me. Yes, privately. absolutely. 
It was so funny that you got so invested. Like, I don't think you watch very much of Uch Karush, but... I didn't. The bad blonde dye job that his character has does look a little bit like ramen noodles at first. So Kara immediately was like, I dub the noodly head. And I stand by that. I think it's because I loved him in Ashkona 101. I thought he was so handsome and cute. And then the next I saw him, he looked like someone poured a packet of ramen on his head. And I was like, wait, <laughs> where's my like dork with the glasses who loves his wife as the adult version of Sinan? This is not him. <laughs> this is Noodly Head. But it's stuck and I'm going to keep that train rolling. So you're welcome. He should be proud that that's what his career has brought him to. Just lovely I nickname. say it love. You do. Uh, so Maya, why don't you tell me about how you came to discover the show? Honestly, it's not that exciting of a story. I think, like everyone else, I saw the announcements on social media that Pinar was going to be in a new show. I think for a while we didn't know if it was going to be a show or a movie, but it was a big deal because Disney Plus was coming to Turkey for both streaming its existing content and creating Turkish originals. What's sad is that they've done a few shows, they've copped pretty much every major Turkish actor in some form or other to be in a show for them, and just recently it was announced that they're going to put a pause on doing international original content, so a lot of the other Disney Plus Turkish shows are being paused and taken off the streaming services and I think they're going to revisit making more in 2025, which sucks because they made some really great content. They brought big budgets, they got great casts, and then decided that new subscriber signups weren't enough and ruined it for all the people who actually did show up to watch their content. No, it's true. And I think part of the reason why I didn't initially get too into Actress before it aired and learned a lot about it was because I assumed I wasn't going to have access to it unless someone dropped the subs for it online because Disney Plus doesn't air their Turkish content in the United States. So I was shocked that Hulu picked it up, but happy. And then you were the one that told me that, Maya. You were like, it's on Hulu. And I think I was just like, it is? <laughs> okay. I mean, that's my other dangling carrot to get Kara to watch things. It's like, you can watch it on your TV that someone else has subtitled it. I'll fall for it every time. Maya's a little bit harder. <laughs> Apparently it's a detraction for her. She's going to find it on the internet. I'm trying. <laughs> mm -hmm. What about you, Carol? How did you find the show? You told me to watch it. And I said, okay, that's how happened. We love a good story time. Short and to the point. Short and to the point. Maya said, watch it. And I said, okay. And I was right. I know. That's the thing. I don't even get mad at her because I'm just like, <laughs> okay. It's usually a good suggestion. I'm sorry that I have excellent taste. It's it's a hard burden to bear. I get that. <laughs> I mean, I saw promos for it on Twitter. I follow all the major Yarga Twitter outlets and the main content creators on Twitter that are discussing these shows. I knew about it. I just assumed, oh, it's going to be on a streaming network and I'm not going to be able to watch it. So... I mean, I love Pinar and I love her in Yarga. I like her a lot as an actress, but I don't stand her quite as hard as other people. I don't want to get hate for it. I love Pinar. I just, like, you love Pinar and I feel like you would watch almost anything she was in. I would watch her in anything she's in that I would be interested in watching. <laughs> that is very fair. Like, you have your actors that you really like and it makes sense that you want to prioritize watching their content. I don't know if there's any actor that I would watch blindly. Like, just because they were in it. I mean, even Barish. 
I don't watch his historical show because I'm not interested in that at all. And as much as I thought that I was a huge fan of his, I'm really just a fan of Kira Lake Ashk. Again, we love a self-aware Caro. <laughs> I feel like these are my therapy sessions. I'll bill you later. Okay, fair. <laughs> So for this episode, I know we often break up our talking points into what we think the show does objectively well and objectively not as well, and then go on to what we subjectively liked and subjectively disliked. But for this one, maybe because it's a Disney Plus show, which we've never talked about before and only had a finite number of episodes. But for this episode, we're not going to separate our talking points. We're just going to dive in and chat about the show, which... I think will be fun for Carol and I, and hopefully will be fun for you guys to listen to. Yeah, we really wanted to just put out a fun little episode about this great show. Because it was something we just watched, and, you know, what better time to talk about it than slightly close to when we actually watched it. Very true. Yeah, I finished it, like, two weeks ago, I think. To start off, it's really interesting to see how it functions as something on a streaming platform. Yes, you know, we've had plenty of Netflix Turkish shows at this point, and we have our Netflix original movies, but even still, there's so many dizzy tropes and formulas that we're used to. It was nice to see actors we know and love in a story that's tonally very different than anything we usually see them in. I don't know if it's fair to say that it's more a Western style of storytelling, but I don't, I don't, help me out, Carol. So I think it helps that it's eight episodes and it's 45 to an hour each episode. It feels more Western. It progresses. It has less tropes and is more plot driven. So it feels more like Western style storytelling, which is a divergence from the traditional Turkish Dizzy, which relies heavily on tropes, especially the summer rom-com season. But I think even the regular season of shows, there's kind of a cadence to those shows that follow that dizzy method. This definitely felt more like it absolutely could have been an American show produced on Hulu. I actually thought that it reminded me a lot of the show Dexter. Oh, interesting. Did you ever watch that show? I have not watched Dexter. You might be too young for it. <laughs> <laughs> but I agree with what you said, Carol, because you're right. It is very plot driven. Mm -hmm. Dizzy's, especially because the episodes are so long, will often spend 30 minutes of an episode on side character subplots and there's often a lot more going on in the background of the stories to beef out the world but this one was very centered on Pinar on Yasemin as she goes through her life as a celebrity and the boredom that she's experiencing as well as her night life of committing these murders but the show really focused on its A storyline, which was really cool and really interesting as a divergence from what we usually watch. And it was also really nice to see alcohol, blood, <laughs> and car vehicle names being shown on, t on a Turkish show. It's a nice change of pace. You just like that they had money to pay for copyright. I mean, I did miss seeing the air fryer thrown in randomly. That, oh, you, you know, did not. I did not. <laughs> oh, I just... The Turkish ad system is weird. I like the way they do it in America where it's there, but it's subtle. And so you're just like, man, why am I craving a Coca-Cola right now? <laughs> and it's because they were drinking it throughout the show. But it's not like, hey, we're in dire distress here. Have you ever had a refreshing Coke? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, little things like that, I think, make it feel less Dizzy-like and more American or U.S. television-esque. Yeah. 
What also was really cool is because it was so a storyline centric, the show really revolved around Pinar and allowed her as an actress to really shine in the spotlight and take center stage in her role. Because as much as we love her in other stories, they're usually big ensemble casts, Mm -hmm. even with her at the head of them. And it shows her range. I mean, Pinar was able to embody multiple personas as Yasmin, and she was able to explore a range of emotions. It was nice to see her acting chops really shine. Yeah, and honestly, I hope this is true. And from what I've seen from the little behind the scenes content we've gotten, I hope that Pinar had fun playing this character because she got to sing, she got to dance, she got to let loose as her character. And I feel like that's a space where she can really shine. And be a little weird, a little crazy, and still do an amazing job portraying the character. Absolutely. Definitely. Something that was interesting about this show was, I don't even know how to say it, but the artistry of it, where yes, it's a thriller centered around the psychology of our main character, but they also made a lot of very artistic choices in their cinematography and portrayal, which they didn't have to do, Mm -hmm. but they chose to include a lot of creative motifs in the work. One thing that stood out above the rest was the use of 2D animation graphics. Yeah, that was different. For all the flashbacks. Mm -hmm. It felt a little Marvel-esque. It felt modern. Like, it felt fresh. Even though, yeah, we've seen it in Marvel. I don't know. It distinguished it from a traditional Turkish Dizzy, and I liked that. It felt like something new I was watching. It kept the show feeling very serious, if that makes sense, instead of Mm -hmm. them trying to cast, you know, child version of Yasemin and age everyone down and do, you know, sepia-toned flashback, which is often a very helpful device in storytelling, but sometimes takes the viewers out of it. But instead, she's just recounting her past and we see this drawn representation of it that feels truthful and intense, but doesn't snap us fully out of the present present day. The other point that I really loved about this show is it really is about the psychology of Yasemin. Yes, on the surface, it's about a character making some interesting choices, but really a show is just about this main character coping. Because what I really liked about Yasemin was that while she was a somewhat twisted character that made a lot of questionable decisions, she was never a caricature. She never felt over the top of what someone could really be like. I mean, I don't relate to her methods and thought processes, but I could see how someone could get to where she was at that point in time for the show. Because we also got to see that she had a lot of childhood trauma, which has built her into the adult she is today. And I think a lot of the time watching the show, I was always looking at her motives of, was this due to childhood trauma? Is this how she's working through it? Or is there part of her that's also genuinely a psychopath? And I loved the back and forth that the show did of the choices that she would make and how she navigated through the world very confidently. But then we as the audience would watch her and say, oh, honey, like, I'm so sorry that this happened to you. Right. Even though she seems to be having the time of her life. Like part of the time you just want to give her a hug. There's a lot she's dealing with. No, I agree. And I think you bring up a really good point. Is it trauma or is she a natural born killer? I don't know. And I like that the show makes us grapple with that without making her seem like a cartoon character. They're not belittling her 
potential insanity. She just is how she is. And we get to watch the spectacle of it, Mm -hmm. but also not look down on her for it. We get to watch the show because she's (laughs) an actress. Wow. (laughs) It all comes full circle. You're welcome. (laughs) And I really like that they showed her relationship with fame and how she's clearly a very good actress like Yasemin is a very good actress Mm -hmm. and so she's built up a career to get where she is but at the same time because of her brain chemistry she has this intense boredom with her life so when this potential copycat starts texting her she gets this jolt of excitement of having some mystery to contend with some potentially equal partner to her brain showing up in her life and really kickstarts her through the rest of the show yeah and then there's uraz's character farat and he has quite the reveal in this show so he starts off i believe as a, a coffee shop owner he has a son that he shares custody with And he seems kind of like your boy next door nice guy. He is a nice guy, but the shock and the reveal is that he is actually a police officer. He's the cop who is investigating who this vigilante style killer is. That was something that was so interesting about this show. And unfortunately, the reveal was spoiled for me right before I got to that point in the show. I was so mad because I wanted to have a genuine reaction. Oh, see, I didn't know. Obviously, I don't read anything. But I loved how, as a character, he's inserted into her life. You know, he takes over the coffee shop that she usually frequents. And he seemingly has no idea who Yasemin is, the fact that she's a celebrity. And I love that his son is the kid from Khan's movie, Senya Shamayabak. That's where I saw him from. It was so cute to see him again. And now Khan and Pinar have both done a show with this kid. I wonder if he spent the whole time being like, Kanabi. (laughs) (laughs) Cute. It's so cute. So it was nice to see him again. And also because he's a really good child actor. So that was fun. But yeah, Uraz's character for the longest time, I loved how we knew there was something going on with him, but we got the time to see his and Yasemin's character relationship develop before the reveal happens to show us that yes, he does know who she is. He heavily suspects that she's this serial killer that he's been tracking. And I loved how that sudden twist really deepened the dynamic because we'd seen how he's already falling for her. Mm -hmm. Something about the show that I really liked was how it deals with perspective in terms of you have this lead character, Yasemin, and is she a protagonist or is she a villain? It's about perspective. If you're one of the ones she's about to kill, she's a villain. And when you first see her commit murder, you're like, oh my god. Is she going to be an anti-hero type character? But then you hear about why she's committing these murders and she's really exacting her version of justice. But then you can apply that shift to Furat, where, you know, once his true character is revealed, is he still a protagonist or has he become the villain since he's chasing after and trying to capture and incarcerate Yasemin? 
And also, just because he's in law enforcement, we see the lengths he's going to to try to crack this case Mm -hmm. for his own. I don't know if it's his ego, but this is something he feels really strongly about. And just because he's after Yasmin, that doesn't make him the hero of the story, especially when he's falling for her and employing maybe less than ethical methods. Yeah. And then sometimes we'll see Yasmin where there were so many points where I was like, oh, honey, like I just want to wrap her up in a blanket. And then she goes and kills someone you're like oh right she's fine she has more going on than being traumatized so Caro, something i noticed and i kept forgetting to look it up i don't know if i even can look it up but you know ferrat's house slash coffee shop yes i am maybe 80 percent convinced that that was the Kara lagash house daphne's house yes Because they definitely had their production design budget, so they definitely shifted around. But I think that the side door that she would come in through and, like, the staircase, I could be totally wrong. You're blowing my mind a little bit now. I think it's the Kirillic Ash house. I think it's Daphne's house. Okay, I am obviously going to watch it, an episode, and I will get back to you on that. I'd be curious to know your opinion. Or if anyone who's listening to this has a definitive answer, yes or no, please message us. Please tweet us. Because it's bothered me a little bit. Not enough to actually look it up. I keep forgetting. I'm going to look into it because now I'm curious and I'll, I'll let you and everyone know. Appreciate that. Another thing about the show that I really enjoyed was how it talked about fame. It's always intriguing to see how fiction tries to capture the experience of being famous and what it means to be a public figure. And I think because the show has the major through line of Yasmin being a serial killer, the backdrop of her being a well-regarded and well-known actress was really interesting to see with Yasmin in both scenarios. I appreciated the show's commentary on the lavish, luxurious lifestyle where Yasmin, in some people's eyes, has quote-unquote made it. She's living this glamorous lifestyle, but then on the flip side, she feels fully empty and bored with this, some would say, enviable existence. There's this juxtaposition within her character of her living what could be seen as a very charmed life, an enviable life, and having made it, but it also not being enough. It was really cool to see the cameos of real-life Turkish talk show hosts and other industry people that I think will be bigger Easter eggs to Turkish people But as someone who has been on the Dizzy internet for several years now, I also really appreciated those little call-outs. Yeah, no, I mean, it's a nice aspect of the show. It made the portrayal of the Turkish entertainment industry feel even more authentic. Yeah. And then, you know, it's interesting to see how Yasmin has this seemingly enviable life that, you know, anyone would want to have. She's beautiful, she's rich, she's famous, she's talented. And that's kind of mirrored in the character of Ekin, who's an aspiring young actress. And she initially is kind of going to hang around Yasmin, learn from Yasmin, get deeper involved in the industry, kind of riding on Yasmin's coattails, if you will. But then that character also has a shift and she learns the truth about Yasmin and then she kind of takes that shift and at some point you wonder, is she going to become friend or foe to Yasmin? And I kind of liked that the way that that all played out. But a side note is the actress who played her, all I could think of was Jenna Ortega while I was watching it, that she looked exactly like Jenna. 
That's so funny. I did not pick up on that. Really? At all. It almost distracted me because I was like, it's not Jenna Ortega, but it looks like <laughs> Jenna Ortega. How old is this actress? Because she looks really young sometimes. But then when she started sleeping with the director, I was like, oh, well, she can't be that young. Yeah. Because they would never in Turkey. Oh, God, no. Well, that's the other thing about having this be a streaming show and not a Dizzy. Right. Well, that's the thing. Anything can go, maybe, but I still don't think they would get that risque. No. In a Turkish Dizzy. not. But yeah, I mean, she's basically Yasemin's little sister. Ekin was a very interesting character because, yes, Yasemin really adopts her almost unasked and wants to take her under her wing. And we find out later that she reminds her a lot of her little sister who was killed in the fire that Yasemin seems to have set when she was a child. And her name was Darren, correct? Exactly. So that's how Yasemin's stage name comes into being. But Ekin was a curious character for me because I don't know if it was just me, but she was hard to like and yet we're watching Yasemin actively like her. And I don't know if it's because Ekin clearly is not a good actress. Correct. So there was the added layer of, do we think weirdly this child is a danger to Yasemin? What is her goal? Because for most of it, I think she wants the lifestyle. Maybe to be someone else, but... I think she thinks fame is going to make her life better and more interesting. I don't know, because she also plays into this trope that I keep seeing in shows of this younger, meddling young woman that we're still supposed to like, even if they're potentially causing issues in the show. And it isn't until the very end that we can confirm that she will have Yasemin's back, at least for the time being. Right, we didn't know. It made it interesting to watch because you were never sure, like, is she good? Is she bad? What's her motive other than doing whatever it takes to achieve Yasemin's level of stardom? One of the relationships I found really poignant is the relationship between Yasemin and her driver, Ahmet, who seems to have kind of adopted her after she lost her sister because he becomes this sort of intense father figure for her and he's the one person who's someone that Yasmin will openly care about mm. everyone else you know the maniacal side of her will kick in and be like well sucks that that person's dead sucks that you're bad I'm disappointed for five seconds moving on but I think his role in her life because he obviously had a lot of trauma too and he was selecting their victims for the murders and really managing that side of her and weirdly like he seemed to have a bit of his own agenda but at the same time he's weirdly giving her an outlet for all of her complex and underdeveloped emotions and being <laughs> able to kill these bad people right I think his character almost proves that Yasemin's brain chemistry is due to trauma. Like she's become like this. She's not some soulless individual because he's the last person that can really access the childlike, more innocent version of her. And her humanity. I loved their little father-daughter type relationship. They clearly cared about each other. He took great care to make sure that her operations were set up properly, that she could get in, get out. You know, he really protected her in all of those ways as an adult I mean obviously as a child that's you know when they met but as an adult he was that father figure for her and shows that she can love she has humanity left in her she's not just a soulless actress and a fearless killer like she can access human emotions and that was nice I was very very surprised to see how that went down yeah and I think also 
it's interesting to see Yasumin, who is introduced to us as a killer and someone who seems to enjoy the thrill and the novelty of these illegal <laughs> actions. But then at the same time, she was a child who needed to be protected, especially as she moved into the entertainment industry, which can be very predatory to child actors and young women entering the industry. So she had this backbone behind her as she grew up. And I don't know, that's something that I feel like I haven't really seen in a story about fame. And so when Ahmet ultimately dies, it's the one real time that we see Yasemin truly distraught over a death. This is the first time we see her really shaken. And I don't know about you, Carol, but there's those parallel scenes of Yasemin on the swing set. Mm-hmm. And from an early episode, Ahmet's on the other one. And near the end, it's her on the swing set with the empty swing next to her. That was sad. The symbolism of a loss of Yasemin's childhood. She's still this child who wants to swing on the swing set and she's lost one more part of her. I didn't actually pick up on that symbolism of the swing set equating to her childhood, but that makes a lot of sense. I was more focused on the difference in the dichotomy of when Ahmet died versus when she would murder for her purpose, for her agenda. And she would usually kind of dance and laugh a little bit and almost sashay away from the scene. And then right after Ahmet died, it was her serious killing. You know, there was no laughter. There was no joy in what she was doing. Yeah. Should we talk about something happier? Is it happier, though? No, it's not. But it was nice to see a little bit of romance on the show between Farat and Yasmin. I mean, he was adorable in the first few episodes before we knew he was a cop and was actually trying to actively catch Yasmin. But as a coffee shop owner, their little flirtations, it was very cute to see. Yeah, and I liked how when we didn't know that Farat knew who she was, that again, this relationship was a new kind of novelty for Yasemin to kind of tease him and needle him and act like this relationship was a game, but she was also starting to develop at least some feelings for this guy. I think she is surprised when she has any feelings. So whether it was love, lust, attraction, or just enjoying the flirtation, she felt something. And I think that surprised her. And it was kind of fun to watch her deal with those emotions. Yeah. Especially when you add his kid into the mix. Oh, yeah. I thought it was so funny that she's bad with kids or doesn't even try. It makes so much sense for her character, but... I loved it. I thought it was enjoyable to watch. And it was nice that they didn't change her into some, like, suddenly she's this domestic, feminine character just because she meets a guy who has a kid. Right. And it must have been so hard for Pinar because she's probably like, oh, yay! And then has to, like, act like this. You know, I feel the same way about Karem in his show where he's actually an adorable cupcake, but he has to pretend to be this grumpy person. I know it's acting, but I love when I completely know it's opposite their actual personalities (laughs) as actors. It just brings a level of joy to my viewing experience. It was also really interesting once we found out that Farat was a cop. One, that he was married to the other female police officer that slowly weaves her way into Yasemin's life. But two, that Farat, even once we know his true motives, by the time we find out what they are, he started to fall for Yasemin. So he's in this complex situation of... He wants to help and protect her. Yeah. Yeah, there's a part of him that wants to protect her. But at the same time, he wants to stick to his profession and his morals. 
Yep, he wants to bring her in. But also sleep with her. But also sleep with her. Well, he did that. <laughs> and can I say, it? you can definitely tell it was a streaming show because they went a little sexier than normal during the sex scene. Honestly, I was surprised they didn't go farther. I mean, it's still a conservative country, though. I don't think they're going to go that far. But it was steamy. No, but even in Kuch Ushushu with Birjay and Ibo, there's still some steamy, like, Netflix parts of that show that would definitely not be in it to see. But, I don't know, this is the line Disney draws of, like, she can be a serial killer, but they keep their clothes mostly on. Right. But no nudity. (laughs) Which I didn't mind. Like, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I mean, clearly we don't watch Turkish shows for the sexual content. No. We'd be barking up the wrong tree. So, (laughs) I was fine with it, too. I just noticed it was a little steamier than I would have expected from a normal network Dizzy. So, yeah. Clearly a streamer. (laughs) I will say one of my favorite aspects of the show that I didn't expect was just how straightforward Yasemin is about everything. Because once she finds out that Farah is a cop, she lets him know. She has that little whistle toy that she's playing with. Mm. And she, after they sleep together and she figures it out, she leaves it in his little hidden office with all of his evidence. I liked how she was disappointed briefly, but she took it in stride. I was like, all right, this is the game we're playing. Let's keep going. She's bold. Which I think feeds into how the show ends, which I think we can both say was kind of unexpected. It was. Especially when it comes to Ferrat. That is not how I thought the season was going to end. I thought it was going to end... A, with her dying, or B, with Ferrat having to choose, and it went much farther than that, so. Yeah, and while I was really surprised, I almost really like it. Well, I think it opens the door more for season two. Well, that's the thing. I don't even know if there will be a season two. I don't know if there will be either. Nothing's been announced officially yet. But I actually kind of enjoyed the ending after I got over the surprise because if you think about it, what are the other options? That she lets Ferrat capture her for love or whatever, which does not feel in character. She's not that feeling. I mean, he could maybe, she's like, go, I'll look the other way and pretend I never saw you, which is very Hollywood, but also she's not going to let some guy determine if she survives this. See, I could see it happening only because Ahmed had died, and I don't want to say he was her reason for living, but he was really the only person left that she is close with, so I could see her kind of giving up in a way. Like accepting the defeat? Kind of, and then I was thinking if it goes into season two, I mean, obviously the arrest of a very popular actress would be huge news, and I could see her... You know, obviously she can afford a great lawyer and then dealing more with either her getting out of the charges or whatever. I'm going too into the weeds. But my point is, is that I thought even if she got arrested, they could still do a season two. Now that you're saying this right now, I'm thinking of how much fun she might have in prison. Like, can you think about her just like, we're doing this. Let's go. I mean, she's already gotten a lot of experience on Yard. So <laughs> there is that. <laughs> There is that. But no, it was, in my opinion, it was a really, it was a good ending. I'm pleased that that's the route they took. But if they do a season two, do you think Farah will survive? Or is he just dead dead? If they do a season two, I think he will survive. Because that was something I really liked about the show and didn't expect to, where every time it feels like the show's going too far and you're like, oh, maybe this is what the character wants to do and it'll cut back to the present. Or maybe this is a dream. It's never a dream. It really goes that far. Yeah, it does. 
except for that one time on the talk show where she is almost gonna kill her agent I thought she did it I was like oh my god she just did that on live tv everyone's gonna know now yeah but honestly I loved it took the whole show for there to be one time where she doesn't actually go through with something I felt that made the show more exciting and more cutthroat because you're like there's no rules there's no line she won't cross nope I'm curious to see how it continues but the very end and this is something I don't know Kara I want to know your opinion because at the end Ekin rolls up in her own wig in a convertible and picks up Yasumin like she's the getaway car after all this and it felt very Bonnie and Clyde driving off into the sunset Yasumin she's smiling she's laughing it's very unhinged like she's lost all semblance of stability and has no rock left but I was almost disappointed with it being Ekin like I know it's like she found her sister or some replacement in her mind and she can ride off into the sunset but I'm just sitting there like Ekin doesn't deserve to be part of the murder squad like what has she done (laughs) like she's the little sister she's the little sister but like I don't know why does she get to be on the A-team I think that was part of the surprise too is she's on the A-team and it was just unclear just how, you know, obviously Yasumin is taking care of her and taking her under her wing, but that doesn't necessarily mean that she's going to be in the inner circle and now she's in the inner circle. I guess. I don't know. replacing a father figure with a sister figure. I guess maybe it proves that Ekin really wasn't here to be an actress. She also wanted an exciting life. I just don't think she has the basis of trauma to go off of. She's just like, all right, cool. This seems like an adventure. I'll tag along. And that could be an interesting plot for season two. Maybe. I don't know. So overall, Actress is a bit of a divergence from our typical traditional Turkish Dizzy, but I enjoyed it. Well, you know, once I figured out what the show was about, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the suspense of it. I enjoyed, you know, is she going to get caught? Is she going to end up with Ferrat? It had a lot of aspects that I like. A good plot, good drama, decent romance. I'm very glad that Maya bullied me into watching it. Yes. I'm glad you enjoyed it and I think I really did too. I liked that it was a thriller. I liked the different style that the show had and it's nice to watch a show where you know that you're only going to get eight episodes at least for the season. I liked how tight the plot was and it was nice to watch something. I, I really enjoyed the writing. I liked the twists and turns. I liked how it wasn't necessarily predictable. Mm. Some of these streaming shows they get the star power. They have a decent premise but it doesn't always feel like Maybe work of art is a bit strong of a term, but it feels like a very well-made piece of television. And so I like that Pinar got to be part of a project that isn't just a throwaway, something she did one summer. It feels like it'll hold up as something quality that people can continue to watch if they so choose. Agreed. Yeah. So those are our thoughts on Actress. As always, if you have any thoughts, suggestions, corrections, or any other messages, you can email us at dizzybreakdownpod at gmail.com. The show's Instagram and Twitter handles are both at dizzybreakdown. And for our personal Twitters, you can find me, Caro, at Caro Gables. And you can find me, Maya, at the Scorpio Racer. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon, or whichever platform you listen on to help new listeners come and find us. Until next time. Thanks for listening.